0: Thank you so much. Sure? Yes. Positive. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahilladzi hadana subulana. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Wahdahu la sharika أشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا محمدًا الله عليه وآله وسلم عبد الله ورسوله من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل ومن الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له أما بعد Ayuhalmu'minoon. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Had He willed it, He would have rendered all people as one ummah, one social unit. There wouldn't have been any differences call them differences of cultures differences of thinking differences of appearances all of these differences would not have existed we would have been carbon copies of ourselves وَلَوْ شَاءَ رَبُّكَ لَجَعَلَ النَّاسَ أُمَّةً وَمَا يَزَالُونَ مُخْتَلِفِينَ إِلَّا مَن رَحِمَ رَبُّكَ And even though if he would have carbon copied all of us, we still would have had our differences, except for those upon whom your sustainer has his mercy this is a basic fact that we are going to have differences whether we are a general human society on earth or whether we are an ummah followers of the prophet within that General human society on earth. Differences are part of our life and existence. One of those differences that has become, and in this context, we are still dealing with the sectarian bug that has infected our communities and our societies one of the issues that comes up in in these sectarian back and forths and one brother during the past week was kind enough to send me some information that one of these public spokesperson some Islamic figure call him a alim call him a Khatib, call him an imam, I don't know what his exact title is, but nevertheless, he was speaking to his crowd of people on the other side of the globe. This wasn't here in the Americas, it was there in the Muslim East. (coughs) And he was barraging. Of course, this, this speaker happens to be a Sunni who doesn't understand his Sunnism. He was barraging the Shi'is as being Kafirs and non Muslims and the rest of this broken record that we've been listening to throughout these years. Anyways, one of the issues that is in this context of sectarianism and division is the issue of muta. Uh, that's translated usually as temporary marriage and this has become one of these issues that is used to divide the Muslims it's not the Muslims don't have the intellectual health to look at this issue as an issue of valid differences agree with it disagree with it that all of this issue returns or can be traced to the body of hadiths. It has nothing to do with the Qur'an. This issue has to do with the history and hadiths that we have. So, to be fair to this issue, we have to be objective. And to be objective, we have to look at the facts. And the facts that are shared in the books of history and hadith are was this type of marriage did it exist in the time of allah's prophet and whether you agree or disagree with the concept or with the practice it was during the time of the prophet it was a social norm meaning there were people who practiced this type of sexual relationship now later on whether it was in the last year of the Prophet or whether it was during the time of the second successor to the Prophet this type of marital relationship or this type of sexual relationship depending on your own definition agreement or disagreement with it became illegal it was against the law at that time to have this type of relationship now what do we have in the books of hadith about this there's a, a riwaya from Umar, the second successor to Allah's Prophet, who says, Mutatani canata ala ahdi Rasulillah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, halalahuma wa ana uharrimuhuma wa uaqibu alayhima. This riwayah says there were two mutas, two convenient relationships during the time of Allah's Messenger that were halal, and I am making them haram. Now, this he's not making what is halal in the book of Allah haram. Uh, no, don't. Some people get mis. Uh, they misunderstand this statement. What he was doing, what Umar was doing was an ijtihad to, because of the circumstances, because of the military facts of life, because of the dislocation of people, because of the strains that were put on families, men going out to serve for the cause of Allah, etc. In those conditions, as an administrative measure, not as a legal legalization measure, not as a legal measure. As an administrative measure, he said, I'm putting an end to this type of marital relationship. And then there are some other narratives that are traced to Abdullah ibn Abbas and Abdullah ibn Umar. And they, in their comments on this marital relationship, they used to indicate that it is halal. So, now we have a difference of opinion. Now, can we live with this difference of opinion, with tolerance, without negating the other? or without criminalizing the other now this whole subject can be put in a larger context but we simply don't have time for that the time that we have for now is to say that this has been a a difference of 14 centuries that has not caused us to become enemies of each other. Why now, in these types of circumstances, are these issues brought to the fore to generate animosity? We want this to end. And the bottom line is, as is the there, you and I know, there are ayat in the Quran that are what they call mansukh which means they have been overruled but they are still ayat in the quran you know this the simple example of this are the ayat that have to do with the khamr with intoxicants but the the final ayah in the quran that prohibited intoxicants did not cause the other ayat to disappear from the Qur'an. They are still there. Because the vitality of human nature and human history dictates that they remain there because there's going to be other people in the future, meaning after these ayat were revealed, who are going to go through the same maturation that the Muslims went through as societies, to get rid of this bad habit this destructive habit so the issue now arises if that was the case pertaining to some of the social maladies that societies have could that be the case pertaining to this issue of muta could it or could it not and then there is a counterpart to this you 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 were you are exposed to this one argument sunnis say it is haram shia say it is not now we go to another issue a counterpart to this in the shia fiqh generally speaking obviously because the details the devils in much of the other sideline details but generally speaking there is a what you may call a legal rule that says manzana alayhi muabbada any person who commits adultery with a woman who has a husband she becomes haram meaning a sexual relationship between her and the zani, the person who committed adultery with her that is forbidden for eternity that's not the case with those who follow the general sunni rules in this area that's not the case if a person committed adultery with a wife of another person and everything has been taken care of legally as far as punishment and whatever and then after that the husband of this wife passes away in the Shi'i fiqh the, the marriage is not permitted in the Sunni fiqh and we're talking generally here because there are other opinions in the sunni fiqh it is permissible so is this a type of difference is this something we can live with or we cannot live with this has this ha, we have to mature brothers and sisters we have to mature to say let's permit ourselves to have these types of ijtihads now when we Develop when we consolidate our Muslim ummah when we reach a point where the two billion Muslims in the world now have one state of their own and That state has areas of autonomy to it The one let's call it for the purpose of understanding things. Let's call it a federal state Within that federal state, there will be regional states. In these regional states, we can make room for a majority of a population that agree with a certain Islamic ijtihad to have it that way. Are we so fanatic that we can't make room for ourselves? Then there's another issue that comes to feed the sectarian current that has turned into a flow of blood. There's accusations that say Shiites have something called Mus'haf Fatima. Mus'haf Fatima is not equivalent to The mushaf, that many people when they hear the word, immediately think of the Qur'an. It's not the case. This is what happens when the linguistic and the shara'i are confused. The word mushaf simply means a collection of suhuf, pages. That's all. That's a mushaf. But because the Sharai connotations inundated certain words, the linguistic origin of those words got eclipsed. The equivalent of that would be would be the word Rabb. When someone says Rabb, everyone immediately thinks of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the word itself has a linguistic flavor to it, or a linguistic origin to it. <laughs> in Surah Yusuf, the ayah says, inda Bring me to the attention of your Rabb. That does in the word Rabb here. Is not in reference to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's in reference to that master in the land of Egypt that decision maker there so why is it that certain minds want to zero in on a controversial issue that they generate there's no controversy in this if there was simple understanding of the words there would be no controversy so if Fatima the daughter of Rasulullah, she was present obviously in her father's home and she listened to him and if she took notes of what she was saying and compiled them and then some persons referred to that as a collection of pages that's what that's the whole thing that's what it means Mushaf is a collection of pages fatima's collection of pages what is wrong with that someone has any problem with that but not, once again there are sectarians out there who want to feed on what we ourselves have not Worked through with our minds. So once someone listens, says, "Mushaf Fatima." Oh my God! They they have another they have another Quran. Fatima's Quran. No, that's not the case. Then there are issues of the hadiths hadiths that are. Credible hadiths, you know, Sahih hadiths, and then there's reference to books like Al Kafi and Al Istibsar and Manlayahdhuru al Faqih. These are books in the Shi'i context. And like all the books of hadith, whether they are in the Shi'i context or in the Sunni context, there is pollution in these books of hadith and we need scholars ulama to work their way and cleanse these books of hadith of the of those of that pollution there is a scholar he's called al-allama al-majlisi the person who wrote what is called bihar al-anwar he has a type of elucidation of the book al-kafi it's called mir'at al Uqul, the mirror of minds and the recent publication of it was 25 volumes what does he do and this is a 400 year old book what does he do in this book he begins just as one scholar he begins to try to filter the hadiths of Al-Kafi much of the problems as we have said many times before much of the problems that we have can be traced to hadith literature and in the Sunni context there's one of the most reliable books it's always used as a reference, it's called Kitab Al-Itqan. This is written by Asuyuti. In that book, he says, that there was an ayah in the Qur'an that was rehearsed, that was verbalized during the time of the Prophet, but it is no longer in the Quran. The Shaykh was Farju Muhuma al-Batta. That a senior man, an older man, and an older woman stone them definitely. This is in reference to adultery. If they commit adultery, now first of all the meanings of this. So-called omitted ayah from the Quran, the meanings of it, the, the, the wording of it is not Quranic wording for those who who can have a feel for the eloquence and the high linguistic standard of the Quran. It doesn't meet that. But let's say you don't, you know, you don't have that knowledge. The ayah in the Quran says, Inna Nahnu nazzalna dhikr. Wa inna lahu lahafidun? La yattihil, another aya La yattihil baatilu min bain yedehi walla min khalfe. These ayat that are acknowledged in the Quran by everyone testify to there, there is no increase or decrease in an, a surah or an ayah. Or a word, or a letter, or a syllable, or a diacritic in the Qur'an. None. So when someone comes and encounters a hadith like this, and it's not one hadith, there are hadiths, that say the Qur'an was such and such length, and it shrank. Then we know something is wrong here something has to be done when something is wrong something has to be done and this whatever has to be done is not done yet and we are all at fault you know brothers and sisters I've been working on the explanation of the meanings of the Quran now for approaching 20 years and one of the ayat, the one I just mentioned, "Inna nazzalna wa inna lahu Certainly, we have made accessible this consciousness, represented by the wordings of the Quran, and indeed we are to preserve it. Now, all of the Muslims understood from the beginning of revelation up until this very moment that allah is preserving the quran no one could there have there have been attempts to try to take away or put into this quran something that doesn't belong in it they were not able to do that there are some Hadiths that say a particular surah in the Qur'an now is much less than it was when it was revealed. And if my memory serves me right, the hadith is referring to Surah Al-Ahzab. Surah Al-Ahzab, according to one so-called hadith, is a fraction of it was when it was revealed. So I've been working on, on this, uh, this ayah And going through the tafsirs on this ayah. And the best tafsir of this ayah was given by Sayyid al-Tabatabai in his tafsir al-Mizan. And he puts an end to much of this commotion this mental commotion that is being stirred right now. So Sunnis and Shias can exchange bad feelings with themselves. And even though I don't have the book. But from what I understand one of the best books. That was written about this issue of whether the Quran has any additions to it. Or any subst- subtractions from it. One of the best books that was written on this subject is by the late Sayyid Abu al Qasim al Khoi. The book's name is Al Bayan fi tafsir al Quran. A scholastic, a methodological approach to this whole subject. Now, there's a person, his name is Sheikh Hussein and Nuri. He wrote a book called Fasil Al khitab In that book, he says there are hadiths. See, the problem is with the body of hadiths that we have. He says there are hadiths that indicate that, that there is some deficiency in the Quran itself. Any way you look at it the problem goes back to the overwhelming the voluminous millions probably of hadiths that are still there used without question as being reliable and we can refer to them and there are some people who come up with the issue of some Shiais or Shiais some of them dare say everyone Shi'is believe that there's a surah that was in the Quran called Surat al of course that's nonsense but once again as I mentioned Sayyid Al-Tabatabai in his Tafsir Al-Mizan deals with this issue at a level and with the knowledge and the facts presented to place this whole issue to rest and i hope that we can grow in our selves and in our societies we can mature enough to understand that okay we can have these types of differences we can live with them and these shall not become issues of contention and issues that divide us Alhamdulillah alladhi hada Sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina al-Mustafa Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ulinnuha wa t-tuka. Dear committed Muslims, brothers and sisters As you know, in this past week Uh, Since this new president that we have has Located himself in the Oval Office with all the powers and the Authorities that go with it He one of the things right now that's being mentioned in the public is that there's going to be visa restrictions on people who are coming from certain muslim countries and those countries are in no particular order here those countries are syria iraq iran somalia libya Sudan and Yemen
1: we don't know how
0: this is going to be applied exactly yet one of the little bits and pieces of information that is being whispered in in the Muslim community here is even those who have green cards are advised not to leave the country if they if they are originally from these uh, six or seven countries they are advised not to leave the United States because if they want to come back even though they may have a green card they may encounter some type of serious problems Now, if we were looking at this issue in a fair way, if the president who is moving in this direction was fair to both sides of the issue of this terrorism which all Muslims are against, except for the terrorists who have been generated by certain intelligence and intelligence agencies and military establishments, then there would be a balance to this, and that is that no intelligence and military personnel are permitted to go to those countries that's the balance to it you can't have it one way and think you have cornered this problem of terrorism what's going to happen and allah knows best if this policy goes through it's just going to generate more of the same nature more of the same problem the nature of the problem in the future the other thing that is happening is that the rulers in the arabian peninsula have sent a representative to the islamic republic foreign minister of kuwait they sent him there and some people are probably trying to figure out what is all of this about now and the simple answer to that is that the regimes in the Arabian Peninsula have established warm diplomatic or should we say political and economic ties with the colonizers of Palestine. And what they are doing now has a Yehudi hand in it. This type of quote-unquote gesture of friendship and understanding has to be looked at in light of the closing of ranks between Tel Aviv and Riyadh. If anyone wants to understand this outside of this development, then they are omitting the centerpiece of the policies now that are set into motion. Part of the, th- this policy is to expand the colonies on the west bank they call them settlements these are colonies they want to expand these colonies on the west bank they want to move the american embassy from tel aviv to al-quds and that would probably signal the rest of the world to move also their embassies to al-quds to finally Yehudi-ize Al-Quds. these gestures that are you know in place right now to undo the 5 plus 1 agreement the JCPOA they want to undo that all of these are a package and who is the the victims of this type of packet package The poor people there on the ground, the first ones who are beginning to feel the brunt of this or among the first ones to feel the brunt of this are the Jordanians. As many things have been happening in Jordan, but right now, you know, this news is not something that the deep state is interested in making public. One of the issues that that has erupted in the past week is a very prominent religious figure there who held many positions, government and social and otherwise, expressed himself in a speech in which he said something to the effect that The Gulf countries
1: And the Arabian
0: Peninsula countries meaning Saudi Arabia and its statelets there Are going to suffer if Jordan falls apart His message was Jordan now has not been receiving any help from these quote-unquote Arab brothers and so this Jordanian state may be the first one to go under the wheels because of these policies now he could have been tipped by certain factions in the jordanian establishment to say that consequently in the past week itself he lost his position and in the meantime the jordanian government is trying to mend its relations with the syrian government and the king is scheduled to meet with the president here in Washington and the president in Russia and in other places. And the Jordanian government has has told its diplomats and its officials they can no longer fly first class or business class. They now have to fly economy class. These types of measures when they are taken And there's so many elements to this puzzle that it would be a mistake to interpret the false flag gesture from the Arabian Peninsula as being one that is done because of brotherhood and good neighborliness. It is done because there is a Yahudi imperialist hand behind it and beware of it. اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ولا تجعله ملتبسا علينا واجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم إليك نشكو ضعف قوتنا وقلة حيلتنا وهوانا على الناس يا أرحم الراحمين أنت ربنا وأنت رب المستضعفين، فإلى من تكلنا إلى غريب يتجهمنا أم إلى عدو ملكته أمرنا إن لم يكن بك علينا غضب فلا نبالي ولكن عافيتك هي أوسع لنا نعوذ بنور وجهك الذي أشرقت له الظلمات وصلح عليه أمر الدنيا والآخرة من أن تنزل بنا غضبك أو تحل علينا صختك لك العتبى حتى ترضى ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بك وصلى الله على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر، ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه، وسعى في خرابها، أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين، لهم في الدنيا خزي، ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم، إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها، واذا حكمتم بين الناس ان تحكموا بالعدل ان الله نعم يعظكم به ان الله كان سميعا بصيرا ولذكر الله اكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون واقم الصلاه الله اكبر الله اكبر شروعا لا إله إلا الله شروعا محمد الرسول الله هيا على الصلاة هيا على الفلاح